following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Are we awake this yeah. morning? Come on now. You're awake. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of guests from, uh, well, we'll just introduce them here in a second. That's uh, going to be, and it make for an interesting show today. And um, I want to start off by reading my psalm here for the morning. Psalm 28, unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands towards thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked, but with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands, render to them their desert, because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. That's Psalm number 28. Um, our guests here today are Julia Hall and her brother Lee Hall uh, of Hall's feed mill hallway that, hallway feeds hallway feeds uh used to be farmer's feed mill years ago and uh, uh they have recently won what did they win you guys it, it was a small business of the year uh from the it, commerce yep. lexington yeah, they were the 2019 Small Business of the Year winner. That's, Guy Huglet joins that's, us. By the way, I'm Guy. Morning, you guys. Hey, uh, which is a great honor, actually. That's, a you know, the Chamber of Commerce does that on an annual basis. I know the application process. I've been involved in that a little bit in the past. And um, something that you guys should, you know, I know you're proud, obviously. But I'll tell you what, you all make us proud. Because I was thinking about you guys yesterday. You're another one of these generational businesses. Yep, that's exactly right. That continue to prosper and make a difference in our community. I like to say Kentucky for Kentucky, you know. But congratulations. Welcome, Lee. Thank you very much. Julia. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here and uh, not too early for 
for us. I think you all were concerned that we might have a hard time getting up this early. You know? <laughs> yeah. When you do what we do for a living, this is halfway through the day. It's lunchtime. So yeah. um, you got to get up and get after it. So maybe sometimes not on Saturday quite this early, but it's great. We're glad to be here and appreciate the opportunity to visit with you guys and talk about the business and talk about your business and similarities of locally owned and operated companies. So it's great. Thank you. Um, your company uh, was started by your father, Mr. Bob Hall, um, grew up raising cattle, harvesting grain, tending family land in Scott County, Kentucky. Do you all still farm uh, as a yes. hobby? or Well, uh, you know, to say it's kind of interesting, you know, Julie and I grew up here in Lexington because uh, I had I was three years old when mom and dad bought the business. Julia had not been born so in 1964 when they apply uh, when they acquired the business uh, he left a job as the herdsman at the University of Kentucky um, was had it was expecting a second child bought a business because he was living out on Coldstream Farm which is yeah. really you know right there across from where the Red Cross uh, building is on Newtown right. right there yeah house that I grew up in for three years had to buy a home a business had a new daughter I mean, they had quite a quite a busy year that year. But yeah, that's when the business was acquired from uh, the previous ownership, and it was a kind of an interesting acquisition and just kind of one of those many God wink moments. Yeah, tell us had. about that. I, yeah. Well, you know, I've heard it's a pretty cool story. Yeah. Well, Dad grew up in Central Kentucky. Um, he and my mother, our mother, met in when they were in college, but subsequent to his graduation from Central uh, from UK. He went to work for the Dawson family, who owned Dawson Bridge Company down in. Oh yeah, R. R. Dawson, sure. Yep, down in Bloomfield, Kentucky, and they were a breeder of purebred Angus cattle. So Dad managed their farm for about a year as a young college graduate. Had an opportunity to go to New York and manage a uh, operation in uh, Dutchess County, New York, right up close to where West Point is. Right. Up on the Hudson. River. Up on the Hudson. Yep, for a guy. Um, called Lepetka Angus, and it was owned by a gentleman who was a very successful businessman in the city there. They stayed there for two years, got drafted, went to Germany, served in the Army for a couple years. Through this time, he and my mother maintained their relationship, but, you know, obviously had not gotten married uh, at that state. Came back from the Army, uh, got married, and was hired to be the beef cattle herdsman at the University of Kentucky in 1958. And that's kind of interesting, a former... Uh, Dean, who was still the dean at UK, had a lot of respect for Dad as a student, realized his acumen with livestock, and it was really interesting at the time. They um, used the purebred livestock herd at UK, which was housed where basically Commonwealth Stadium is now. Mm -hmm. The barn behind Commonwealth Stadium was the beef barn. Remember it. And the good barn, which is in front of the stadium, was the dairy operation. Right. So that whole area was full of livestock. So the dean, Dr. Garrigus, wanted to use the purebred livestock operation as a recruiting tool because they would go to all these major livestock shows throughout the United States showing purebred livestock, and these good young high school ag students would come up and say, man, what would it, how would I get to work with you at University of Kentucky? So it was a great recruiting tool. During that period of time, about anybody that became anybody or everybody <laughs> who became a leader in the ag industry passed through the university. Right. It was crazy. The other charge was to win every major steer show in the United States, which would be 
just like hiring a sports team coach now and saying we want to win the national championship. Right. So in six years that was accomplished. He had won all those shows that he was given to win. So that was like outstanding national championships. Had probably done all he was going to do. The opportunity came up to buy the feed company, and he and, yeah. he and mom decided to do that, and then off they went. Right. So that was that was the nexus of it all, in kind of a, you know, by the time I was three and Julia was was uh, in utero. More, yeah, yeah. yeah, in I, utero. <laughs> the twinkle in her daddy's eye at that point. <laughs> But Daddy always said that he said to Mom, "If we're going to work this hard, we might as well work this hard for ourselves." ourselves. Exactly. So uh, why not? That was the decision to buy them, you know, to jump off the cliff, so to speak, and well, buy them. Yeah. Them. We need to make one quick note about the acquisition, though. You bought Farmers Feed Meal from the Brewer and Griggs family. No, it wasn't uh, Brewer. The Griggs Grigg. was a partial owner. Uh, he was a part owner, and he owned the the company in conjunction with some folks that were from Ohio. Mr. Griggs was getting older and, and, you know, was wanting to retire. It was kind of an interesting, I think, Dad has shared with me, and I've looked back at old financial records. The year he bought the business, I think they did $150,000 in net or yeah. gross revenue. And, I mean, they'd shut the doors at lunch and all take a nap. It's a bunch of old men that, you know, wore suits to work yeah. and all that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Completely different dynamic than it is today. So when we oh, bought God. the business, I mean, oh. you try and think about it. How yeah. the heck are you going to live off of that kind of revenue right. stream? But they did. And, yeah, because we know. don't nap now until 3. Yeah, right. yeah uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I assure you our employees would uh, definitely tell you that we're not adverse to doing that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's take a break here. This is the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Map, mapping out the day's story. Turkey goes into serious. The ceasefire. Elijah Cummings. China. Mr. Giuliani. Impeachment. Hunter Biden. Ukraine. Navigate your world. The things that are happening today, right, right now. now. With News Radio 630. WLAP. Hi, Doug Flynn announcing the JNH Sidewalk Clearance Sale. Enjoy up to 70% off on clothing from the North Face in Patagonia. Up to 60% off on footwear from Maryland Keene. Whether planning a camping trip or vacation at the beach. Or you just like the outdoors. Come see why our customers count on us for great customer service and selection. JNH Outdoor Store. More drive just off Nicholasville Road. Turn between Raising Canes and Wendy's. JNH Outdoor Store. Can I get a big boy with crispy bacon and a fried egg? That's genius. Let's call that the farmhouse boy. Hey, could I get the same thing with sausage patties instead of beef patties? Done and done. That's the breakfast boy. What about a big boy with green leaf lettuce, tomatoes, and red onions? We'll call that the deluxe big boy. You ask, we make. New members of the big boy family now available. All at your local fishes. Home of burgers, breakfast, and big boy. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show with the Halls. By the way, who are we listening to? This is Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic this Zeros. This song, keep playing this song. Uh, turn it up a little bit. This song's called Home. And uh, 
way I got to know about this song is that I went to camp in North Carolina at a place called Mondamon, and they played this song on their uh, on their <clears throat> video for the camp. Right. Somebody came up with it, and I did a little research into it, which is something I am want to do, and uh, <laughs> found out about the group and everything, you know. I, I had went to Tennessee yesterday, and on the way home, I was listening to WSM and the Grand Ole Opry the whole way home. Oh, wow. You know, the amount of new artists out there, if you're into music, it's just incredible, especially in, in Nashville. So, But that's another subject. Well, another I got subject. a special request before we leave today. You know, I've had, appeared on the radio. I used to go on quite often with uh, um, on the Catholic radio station and talk with Mike Allen a lot on his program when before that station was sold when it was still a local station and yeah. he used to tease me all the time because every time I came in he'd say what do you want to play and I said got to play little Jimmy Dickens and there's a song that you talking about WSM yeah little Jimmy has a song called Daddy used to whip me out behind the barn <laughs> yeah. awesome song, so I hope I hope we can find that See if you, you know? can find that Bo yeah, yeah Dad used to, you know it's awesome so, yeah, we have no problem playing little Jimmy Dickens oh, on WLAP <laughs> little Jimmy was you're talking about the adage of all hat and no cattle. That was him, man. That's you remember it, yeah. the hat he had was yeah. He was about as tall as this table. Right. Had a huge hat and it was all folded up on the side. And you know he was he was the right. man. Had That's one of those right. Porter Wagner suits. I mean, uh, Porter Wagner died until just a few years ago. Yeah. I mean he was way up in that year. Little Jimmy Dickens. Yep. Yep. He was the man. So I, uh, I kind of expect to hear a little of that action. All right. All right. Before we go farther into the hallway feeds uh, story, Julia, you've got a business story of your own. You you had uh, um, what was it called? Uh, Incredipet. Incredipet. And uh, which you recently sold, and yes. you did that for uh, about thirty years. Thirty years, Lee, my brother Lee, and our general manager Jeff Pendleton got the crazy idea back in the late 80s that we should be in the pet food and supply store of business and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother radio show so yeah. we'll save that for another time but um i was fresh out of college and lee um and jeff started the the business and i just kind of hung around at night while stuff was being built and the concept was being developed and lee said would you mind helping out one night a week and help process payroll and i said sure and 30 years later <laughs> I was still working one night a week and helping process payroll, but it was a certainly a career that I could have never have imagined for myself. My background's in food, uh, yeah. restaurant management, and hospitality, and I never imagined that I'd be selling pet food and supplies. But it was a wonderful. We were career. a good customer. You were a wonderful customer, and uh, we appreciate that. Every bag matters. You like that taste of the wild. I know. I know you did. I remember bringing you a bag yeah. one time and dropping it off for you. But it was a it was a very unexpected uh, trajectory, I guess, for me professionally. But it was a wonderful career. I learned more than I could have ever imagined. I had absolutely no business background at all dad handed me the original manager that we hired to run the store had a mother who was ill and went back home to take care of her and on my 22nd birthday uh, dad handed me the key and said go see what you can do with that place and I was too uh, naive I guess and too young perhaps too stupid to know that failure wasn't even, wasn't there you even go. an option um, it was like 
You mean I just got to go talk to people and sell pet food? Okay. So <laughs> that's what I started doing was just opening the door every day and talking to people as they came in. And our philosophy was and continues to be make a friend before you make a sale. So that's, that's what we great. did. And that was how we really that's built That's kind of how we do it at Dupree Financial Group also. Yeah. And it works better that way. <laughs> well, yeah, because people want... They don't care if you know their name, but they want you to know their dog's name. Right. So we we really built the business just on that very simple tenant. You know, be nice to people and make a friend before you make right. a sale. So ultimately, uh, 30 years later, we had the opportunity to sell the business. And it was a bittersweet moment yeah. for me. Um, but uh, ultimately, it has turned out to be the right decision, certainly yeah. personally uh, and professionally. But it was a it was a wonderful industry to be in. A lot of and consolidation in that area. Yes, now. It, the, the the industry, just like most industries, has changed uh, dramatically and morphed numerous times from 1987 to 2017. So, yeah, um, I'm very proud of what we did with that business, and proud of the way we served our customers, and um, don't have any regret about one minute of it. That's great. That's fantastic. I think it's interesting, you know, from a strategic point of view, uh, you mentioned the change and metamorphosis of that in industry, what ultimately uh, it came down to really having a big impact on the decision for us was <clears throat> if you control or have the opportunity to manufacture or control that portion of yep. the business segment, which we did in the horse feed side, then you can control much, much more about the, uh, uh, the trajectory and opportunity for your business to go forward right when you're redistributing product manufactured by others you really don't have control that you need to have that's to, right to, yeah. to take care of the customers the way you want to take care of them uh to to continue to to be able to do the things within your business financially you want to do so you know when we looked at where we needed to invest money was it to grow the footprint of our manufacturing business are to invest significant amount of funds to become larger and more powerful in the pet industry business, you know, when you don't have the opportunity financially to do both, it made sense to pour money into our brand, right. into what we manufactured, and then we had, like Julie indicated, a very timely opportunity to, to, to sell the other business. Better value added uh, oh, to yeah. sell your own. Uh, no, no doubt. No yeah. Doubt. You, can, you know, you can control. Julie could go into how, and it's a, it's a whole other show probably, but how you look at how those premium pet food brands were built right. and then ultimately how the the uh, distribution of those products changed during the life history of yeah. a lot of those products, how much control we had in the 80s and early 90s and how those were sold and how much it didn't have at the time You know, we, we sold that business. I would say that unique. those high premium pet food uh, items, it's kind of a low margin type business. It's competitive pet smart's got it for this price then walmart and sam's has got their own brand and yeah. you know that it gets more like being in the grocery business very much so is, it's a it's a consumable so yeah. it's it's milk and eggs yeah it's it's a wasn't tub. like that originally when yeah. the thing started they leaned upon these specialties uh mm -hmm. businesses like julia was running to build those brands right but once that brand was built it was sold from those manufacturing families that they didn't need you brand. anymore. Right. Then all of a correct, you hit the nail on the head. Then all all of a sudden, Colgate, Palmolive, or um, some other you know P and G. group, P and G owns it, and they're like, okay, we're going to the big box with it. 
and you'd go in there and see where a big box store was retailing it cheaper than you could buy it at a wholesale Isn't that price. something? And, yeah, it's pretty much, you know, a difficult proposition yeah. at that point. Back to uh, hallway and, and, and what you guys do, um, you are, <clears throat> as I think about it, uh, you're not just a, a feed company. Uh, you're also a logistics company. You have to have the stuff at places strategically, uh, X amount of product. You don't want more or less because you'll waste it. Uh, how, how do you work? Uh, and then you're, you're, you, on top of that, uh, you're having to, you probably have different, uh, formulas that different trainers like, uh, different horse trainers like that you've got to satisfy that have just enough at the right place with the right formula. Am I getting a little bit of the essence of how your business works yeah, you there? Just outlined enough for another show. So uh, you've got uh, shows with the yeah. Hallway Feed Family through December. The way I'm seeing this, <laughs> regular. Well, let's just sure. set her up. Yeah. That, that way, I don't have to think. <laughs> I can just come in here. And... Um, you know, first I should probably to to answer the question that you raised about logistics. I think it's important to understand there are really three <coughs> layers to what we do from a manufacturing standpoint. The first layer is the local business that we service in Central Kentucky. And it being an exclusive manufacturer of horse feeds now, uh, we're blessed to have the largest market share, really, and, and identify with the very best clientele in Central Kentucky from a breeding farm standpoint first, identify that. That's about 50% of what we do from a yeah. sales standpoint. The other opportunity that the other thing that we do is domestic sales and then uh, export sales. Of the other fifty percent that we do, seventy percent of that would be domestically here in the United States. Yeah, and then about thirty percent of that other fifty would be shipped overseas. Okay, so you've got elements. We're getting cut off here for the mid-hour break, but uh, we will talk more about that as we come back. We're talking with the uh, hallway feeds today, and it's the Tom Dupree Show. Moscow Ballet's Great Russian Nutcracker dazzles this Christmas season. Bring the whole family together for the original holiday tradition. Experience the magic of the internationally acclaimed Moscow Ballet. It just wouldn't be Christmas without Moscow Ballet's Great Russian Nutcracker. Get tickets now at nutcracker.com. Appearing at the Singletary Center for the Arts, Saturday, November 30th at 7 p.m. Get your tickets now at nutcracker.com. A flu shot is one of the easiest ways to protect your health, especially when it's free. This year, get your flu shot at your neighborhood Kroger. It's super convenient, and if your insurance plan has a $0 copay, you won't pay anything out of pocket. Plus, there's no appointment needed. So the next time you're shopping at Kroger, stop by the pharmacy and see how easy it is to protect your health with a flu shot. Exclusions may apply. See store for details. Fresh food, low prices at Kroger. When you're a mom, these kinds of quotes happen. If it's been in the couch, it's no longer food. Because this show is for moms and dads. No, you may not shave the dog. Is that applesauce on your leg? We don't even have applesauce. Oh, those undies really fit you well now. Oh no, I say these things now. Yeah, but Safe Auto will get you a great car insurance quote in just three minutes that could save you 25% at 1-800-SAFE-AUTO. You just keep the mom quotes coming. 
A growing number of Republicans voicing concern over the acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, now denying that he said the president withheld military aid from Ukraine in part to pressure the country to investigate Democrats. ABC's David Wright is at the White House. Uh, Mulvaney was quick to try to clarify his remarks and suggest that he did not intend to say that. The White House counsel and the Department of Justice both distanced themselves from his initial remarks. And the president, when he was asked about them, uh, was not in a hurry to clarify them. In fact, he changed the subject and uh, immediately switched gears and talked about ribbon cutting at a Louis Vuitton factory in Texas. In Britain right now, members of Parliament debating Brexit for a possible vote today. It's the first time in 37 years lawmakers have convened on a Saturday. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson pushing for a deal for the UK to exit the EU by October 31st. And Tropical Storm Nestor churning in the Gulf of Mexico. A storm surge is expected to move across the Florida panhandle later today. Michelle Franz and ABC News. Keep mostly dry conditions around for this Saturday. A few clouds mixed in from time to time, but otherwise highs getting into the lower 70s. That's a few degrees above our average. However, a little bit of a light to moderate wind will be making it feel nice out there as well. We do have a small rain chance coming in later on this evening, and that's for mostly southern Kentucky. I'm WKYT, meteorologist Adam Berniston, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Americans are always on the move. They're in the car, at the office, working around the house. Americans refuse to sit still. So, how do you connect with all of these moving targets? Easy with radio. Radio reaches 93% of Americans every week, more than Google, Facebook, even television. Because, hey, who has the time to sit and watch TV? So when you want to connect with all those constantly moving adults, teens, and millennials, get to iHeartMedia.com and put AMFM Radio to work for your company. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-276-1640. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems, and if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about $100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. Call Term Provider at 800-276-1640. That's 800-276-1640 for a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with. Call Big Lou at 800-276-1640. 800-276-1640. 630 WLAP. My pappy used to tan my he taught me to be dignified out behind the barn. When he took his strap to me and turned me down across his knee, he sure did hurt my dignity out behind the barn. Yeah, I smoked my first cigarette out behind the barn. Now that's a day I won't forget out behind the barn. I got sick, you should have seen how that tobacco turned me green. I almost died from nicotine out behind the barn. Yeah, back on the Tom Dupree show. This uh, this song's been covered by several country 
artists. I've, I've heard it. Uh, I heard this in Canada one time. Uh, Alberta country musician up there was singing this song, so it's it's been around. Beautiful. This is Little Jimmy Dickens. I'm sure we've all gotten some kind of education out behind the bar. Yeah, that's a few right. Times, so. <laughs> Little Jimmy speaking some truth. We're here with uh, Julia Hall and Lee Hall of uh, Hallway Manufacturing or Hallway Feeds. <laughs> it is a manufacturing. I love him. He's just, we've got all. I've kinds. called it everything in the world, but what it is, that's that's all right. Uh, Lee, um, we were talking. We had a, a a thing going here before we were uh, so rudely interrupted for our uh, obscene uh, uh, commercial break. <laughs> Um, sponsors, revenue. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you all are really the dominant player in the industry. It appears to me, uh, nationwide. And, uh, how do you manage that when you're the dominant player, uh, to keep others from, kind of getting on your turf, so to speak, and uh, uh, coming in and encroaching upon your territory. Well, I mean, thanks for that compliment. That's pretty high praise. I would you like to aspire to being having that role. I think locally, again, we talked about, you know, market share locally and service locally and all that. Nationally, <clears throat> I think when you look if just on the racehorse side of things, when we talk about performance thoroughbreds, We've identified that we want to play at a very high level uh, nationally, meaning that we're targeting uh, really what I'm going to call the A-level trainers, the guys that you see uh, and gals that you see winning races on televised racing, you know, grade one yeah. racing on Saturdays. That's who we're targeting. So, right. you know, at any one time, you can look at the blood horse leaders, industry leaders, yeah, and I think currently we're feeding five or six of the top ten trainers in the United States. Okay, our competitors are all of our competitors are fighting over others, so we've got a reputation of identifying and then have an opportunity to develop a relationship with the very best trainers: the Chad Browns, the Bob Bafferts, the uh, Richard Mandela's, the Bill Motts. All those yeah. guys, we have an opportunity to do. But Brad Cox. So, you know, an up-and-comer right now in the industry, a Louisville guy that's just been killing it for the last few years. Ken, Kenny McPeak. Of course, yeah, Lexington guy. Kenny was at Tate's Creek in school when I was at Lafayette, and so we have known each other for, uh -huh. for years. Yeah. But anyhow, we, that's who we're out identifying, and they have got the, the, the horse flesh that they want to invest in, you know, the, the best quality uh, inputs they can for those horses. But what really makes it easy for them and, and becomes a, uh, a piece that I think separates, gives us the opportunity to separate ourselves from competitors, is that they're smart guys and that they want to spend time focusing on their horses. And right. so they make decisions on things like feed, farriers, veterinarians, those services that they develop a relationship, they have confidence in them, they look for people that are going to honor their requests, that are going to provide consistency that are going to be fair and most importantly are going to be accessible. So our company and I think the reputation we have and the way we're able to grow our business in other parts of the equine industry is accessibility. My phone could ring while we're sitting in here and all of a sudden a, a significant client, be, be they a trainer or a distributor, 
is not going to get no disrespect meant to a to a salesperson who can't make a decision. They got access to somebody within our organization, whether it be me or even a salesperson in our organization who has complete autonomy to help yeah. them. And it's like I tell all of the folks who are front, you know, public facing for us, you have you have the you know the, the the wherewithal at any point in time to satisfy the customer, and that's huge when you're talking about people sure. that are making the kind of investment that our customers are making. And so back to Julia's point from way back, the customer service dad was always made the comment, "We don't have anything to sell but service." So your product that's becomes you know secondary true. to establishing the reputation of service. So that's carried over now as we begin to change and grow our footprint into the into the English or Olympic disciplines. We've developed some. You know, we're, we're now we have a salesperson living down in Fort Worth area selling into the Texas uh, Metroplex market, which there's more horses per square mile down there. There is in central Kentucky. If really? You believe that. Oh, it's it's crazy. And so what well, kind of horses are they? All Quarter horses? Yes. All Western disciplines. Yeah. So, you know, that's a that's a different deal. But, um, you know, it's just it's it's, it's the design of the company that allows people to do business with people they know rather than some huge you know hierarchical white tire where they can't reach somebody that can help them that's why people do business with you guys they can walk in the street off main street and say i need to talk to somebody you know the phone's going to be answered it's the old adage that i heard a great story this week i was talking to an advertising friend of mine here in lexington and we were talking about an ad that he worked on several years ago for a local manufacturing company and part of that ad was to set a telephone in the middle of the picture and it's the old uh, office thing where Dwight and uh, um, <laughs> what was the guy that ran the office's name? Dwight, yeah. the beat guy. Uh-huh. And, uh, what was the guy that, that was the uh, Carell's? Yeah, director. Steve Carell. I, I can't think of the name. guy's name, but but they go into the customer and they the he takes a cell phone and he sits it down and you know he dials the competitor that was selling the guy paper. Yeah, and he rings and he goes, you know, for so and so, press one, press two, and he said. That's the guy that's selling you paper. He said, we're the people that are here to get your business, meaning you're not getting any service from them. Your competitors are the same. It's going to some offshore call center who can't help you, but you walk into your place the same way with us. And in our case, the big brokerage firms aren't doing themselves any favors by making it harder and harder for a medium-sized client to come in there and open an account and do business with them. If you're you're not a multi-trillion dollar guy, you know, they're, they're... they're not happy to have you. Well, it's the same concept. You guys are doing the same thing that we're trying to do is right. we grow our businesses. You can do that. It's just being a priority to want to be available to your customers. So it's kind of that same, I think it's a cool story. You know, I remember that that scene where he sets that phone down, yeah. you know, being automatically on hold. And he's like, well, there's there's who you're buying your paper from now. I'm going to jump. Talk about us doing your business. I want to jump in. We're going to run out of time, and there's a couple of things we've got to talk about. <laughs> All right. First and foremost, Vice President Pence visited your yeah. facility with it's, the governor and the Secretary of Labor. and Former Secretary of Labor. For, yeah, former Secretary. <laughs> That's right. No, no, <laughs> no. Well, we won't go there. We didn't so, have anything to do with it. We didn't have anything. But tell us about that visit, what was going on. I mean, it was, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. Uh, eight days before he came, I got to get my, I got a text from Andy Barr, and he goes, uh, "Would you entertain the idea of uh, Vice President Pence visiting next week?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we would, <laughs> you know, right. Vice President." So he said, "Well, just kind of 
sit tight. You may hear from 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 them. So I remember that was on a Thursday. Went the whole weekend. He had texted me back on Friday. He said, "Do you heard anything?" I said, "No, not yet." He said, "Well, they're pretty slow to make a decision." Monday night, I was at home with my wife, and we were fixing dinner, and I got a call from Andy's office, and they said, uh, can you take a call from the White House? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's about dinner time here, you know. It's, 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 oh, my you know, gosh. It's cocktail 30. I don't know if yeah. I need to do that or not. So, ultimately, uh, this guy calls me from the White House, and he was some young handler, and he immediately starts into, you know, talking about the vice president's visit. And you really, what that was about was an opportunity to buy time to vet us. I understand that now. They need to be sure we weren't criminals. We paid our we were, we we weren't anything that was going to embarrass the administration. Right. Yeah. You know, clearly they didn't want to come there and somebody say, "Do you know what?" Yeah. guys. So they they had time to do that. I was sitting at the office on Tuesday morning and I got a call from uh, the vice president's advance team, and the gentleman that was leading that group said, "Could I come by and visit you in about forty-five minutes?" I'm like, "Sure, no problem." So I look up 45 minutes in the parking lot, and here comes 20 blue suits across the parking lot, and it was Vance team, FBI, Secret Service, <laughs> comms, the whole shooting match, and uh, they kind of inundated the office. And uh, I had just mentioned to Dad and Julia prior to that what was going down, and they're all of a sudden like, "What the heck?" You know, and our employees are <laughs> thinking this is you know the raid I'm, or I'm something. Looking what for, is happening? Yeah, cover up, here come the fans. Cover the still up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Get the marijuana yeah, out of here. Right. So uh, they were there that afternoon, oh. and finally the next morning on Wednesday, um, they said, well, we'll be coming in. So we basically knew 48 hours ahead of time that he would be there. Uh, wow. Then we were in the midst of trying to run a manufacturing plant while they were re while they were con converting it into a Hollywood studio, really, 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 which was interesting. But I will say this, two, two bits, and then Julia would probably want to chime in as well. The quality of the advanced people, the Secret Service, the uh, FBI was over the top. I mean, they were such awesome people. You don't mind That's your tax great. dollars going to service something like that. I mean, they were amazing. It's good to hear. Vice President Pence, regardless of where you are on the scale of your politics, was was awesome. Great guy, very approachable. And one of the interesting side stories is that um, – He's from Columbus, Indiana. Our corn supplier is from Columbus, Indiana, so we made sure that our corn supplier was there nice. when he got there. Yeah. And so he he saw him, and it turns out that Vice President Pence and our corn supplier's wife went to school together in Columbus, Indiana. The wife was a year behind, so they started, you know, old, old home week. Well, how's old Miss Dupree? Well, she's in the home, you know. And, yeah. and they're just having conversation like we would have about home, which was really, really cool. That's neat. And I know I can make this comment on your show because you start with a psalm. Our general manager, during the course of his tour of Vice President Pence through the plant, said, tell me something I can pray for you for. Wow. And Vice President Love that. sat him and says, my family. Yeah. And I, we just, you know, that was really cool That's that correct. he was at a point, he was at a place to realize what a significant bit of pressure to be, to live in the, you know, the, the, the bubble that his yeah. family lives in. So a, a really uh, very real guy, yeah. very approachable, had a picture made with every law enforcement official that was there before he left. Wow. Spent an hour and a half at our place and got invited to the governor's mansion for a derby party. And I heard spent about 45 minutes and all he hit, 
did was talk about his visit to our place while he was there. So Neat. I think wow. he, he really enjoyed himself. What do you think, Julia? Well, the neatest part of it for me was uh, when we when we met him, we, we met him at the back door of the mill. It was just Lee and Daddy and me. And uh, you have to know our dad. Mr. Uh, Bob. Mr. Bob. But what I loved about it so much was it, I, I laughed and said it was like a scandal ep- episode when we walked out. I mean, here's all these, you know, black vehicles and suits and cameras flashing and and it was like, oh, my gosh, this really is happening kind of thing. But Dad was standing there with his khaki pants and his button down and his glasses and his pocket protector <laughs> in his pocket and his work boots. It was just perfect. It was perfect because he he I think that's what so many people have grown to love about him. And I hope that Lee and I can carry that on into the rest of our lives is that simple humility and that genuine nature. It's mm-hmm. like. Well, you're in my business, and this is what I wear to work every day. Right. And there was such a, um, just a, such a simple charm about that. And he, he, when he met the vice president, he, he said, glad to have you. And uh, Vice President Pence said, you know, you have to be proud. And he said, well, I'll tell you something. In this country, you can do anything if you're willing to work. That's right. And so that was just such a special moment for me was mm. to see it through the eyes of my 89-year-old father. That was pretty special. Wow. You know, I think one of the ne- nice things, too, is that uh, with that going on and the, 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 the amount of it that was publicized, we had very, very, very little pushback from anybody uh, about hosting the vice president. I think, you know, I was a little bit concerned how people didn't want people to view it politically. You know, regardless of where you are politically, that wasn't the important. If it had been Vice President Biden before you know, in the previous administration, he would have been welcomed to our facility as well because we were about honoring our form of government, the position of the vice president. We are way too yeah. divert. You know, we're, we're, I think the majority of the country, regardless of where you are, wants to be more centrally governed or centristly governed. And uh, I think anybody could agree to that. And we didn't want to be about extremes. And we had very little pushback from people who were, were not complimentary and proud of us for having had that opportunity. And for anybody that raised a question, just said, you know, we're not getting into the political weeds. This is about being American, honoring America, our, our republic form of government, and just being humbled by the fact that the second most powerful person in the world wanted to take the time, you know, to come to see our business. I mean, it was a yeah. compliment to, to us. But most importantly to our customers and those that we service to say, you know, here's some people that do what they say they're going to do, and we want to we want to show that off. So it was right. it was fun and it was great because our customers really, I think, rejoiced in the opportunity. We're proud of us to get the opportunity to do that. That's great. Um, going forward, let's just talk about down the road uh, growth plans. What what do you all? see as the growth areas in your business what are what are places that you can uh do more of i mean you know um every business has to have something to look forward to and what is that for you guys i think there's always short medium and long-term goals i mean short-term goals are uh we have identified that our you know biggest opportunity for growth is in domestic areas within the United States. So, you know, we, we can grow our business in the local market, but as I indicated earlier, we've got 
a big footprint here, and so that worm turns pretty slowly. Something, you know, we all know has to change. You're not going to do 100% of the business with everybody here. There are some people that hold you in respect but are always going to do business where they are. There are others that just making a change might be too difficult for them. They realize they probably ought to be doing business with you or would like to, but they don't want to go through the headache of making the change. And you've got people, you know, that are like that. So you're going to get opportunity to grow your business locally, but you can't sit around just waiting for that. Right. So we've identified that the opportunities that we have are in markets like we talked about in the break. We've got sales representation in, in the Metroplex area in Dallas now. There are a lot of horses there. We've got uh, sales opportunities in Central Florida, a lot of, lot of horse there, or out throughout the state of Florida. We're hiring a person currently in the Mid-Atlantic to do uh, Virginia, Maryland, Southeast PA, Southern Jersey, because we've got strong distribution there. And we've seen over the last few years organically 10 to 12% growth a year just on the back of those markets. So that's exciting. The export business for us is kind of a gravy business. We like to do that kind of business, uh, but we're not out with employees knocking on doors, flipping rocks over from an export standpoint to make that happen. So we've got a tremendous amount of opportunity to continue to use our manufacturing plant here, grow externally and domestically because the United States market is a phenomenal opportunity, and we're just really only scratching that. And then it's a generational piece to see What's the next generation want to do? I've got um, two children. Julia is the aunt to two, two of my uh, my sons, and one's a high school junior, another one a high school freshman. So, you know, we'll see what's going to happen with them. Time will tell. That that may be an opportunity to grow. If not, uh, we've got some other ways forward with, uh, obviously, an amazing set of young employees. So I don't see any doubt that Hallway Feeds will go forward into a third generation. It'll just be – you know, who are the people who, that are running you, that business? Do you foresee the possibility of creating other kinds of feeds for other types of animals, or do you think it's horses all the way and that's the way it's always going to be? Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I, don't, I, think you're, I think you're foolish to say you won't take advantage of an opportunity. You know, you have to think about that. But at this point in time, I think, like dog food for uh it's such a different manufacturing yeah, yeah. uh yeah. It, the equipment that's needed the overhead that's needed yeah. for that is probably not a realistic thing yeah. you know would we get into something that we can do that's very similar to horse feed that doesn't require you know that, that doesn't require the things that we don't have in our plant I, maybe you cross that bridge when you come to it but right now I, no i can't see yeah. that we're very dedicated to the super premium equine feed business and we feel like we've got enough to keep us busy there for years to come right lee can i get you or julia both y'all to to speak to this this is the thoroughbred capital of the world and we talk about that industry a lot Mm -hmm. so they say and unfortunately there's been a lot of press lately about the safety and well-being of the of the horse particularly on the racetrack and we got three minutes okay but that's that is something that i know you guys are paying attention to your science technology has changed your industry significantly i know you do a lot of customized feeds etc but could you speak to a little bit about that i know it's an issue that the the industry's having a hard time really getting their arms around and making decisions moving forward 
Well, I mean, it's a multifactorial issue, and it's different. It's unique in every part of the country. I mean, there were unique there are unique things that are going on in the, you know, the situation we saw last winter in California. There have been unique situations going on in each place around the country. There were, you know, weather issues, physio- physiological issues with horses in particular areas, uh, track issues. I, 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 I think it's a very, very sad situation, but unfortunately – you know, I'll give you an example. We were seeing so much press dedicated to what went on at Santa Anita. We didn't see anything about the success and the lack of, right. uh, of catastrophic breakdowns in the Del Mar meet. There were only two horses that died at Del Mar, and they were both killed in a training accident uh, where one got turned around and was running the wrong, wrong way on the track, and they ran into each other. They didn't lose any horses to any catastrophic, and that was the same group of horses that had been at Santa Anita. So clearly there were some issues, you know, that were going on. But was that reported? Not at all. We didn't hear that. So it's like so many issues we hear, you know, about whether they be politics or sports or whatever, you know, the scintillating cells. So to to, to throw rocks at this industry that people think is, you know, only for the rich and famous and not enjoyed by the common man is just wrong. Mm -hmm. And we haven't got to, to really talk about the things that have been positive. I think the industry is putting... A heck of a lot of emphasis on on trying to solve the problem i'm proud of that it's important to us obviously we've invested our future in this so we're we're, we're a part of supporting all these initiatives to find that i have confidence we'll get it done i just wish you know like with a lot of things it was a more balanced approach to reporting it's never gonna be no unfortunately not but you know you've got the same group of horses that there were all these concerns about just north of del mar an hour and a half yeah. They go to Del Mar, and it's just the safest meeting ever yep. with the exception of this freak accident. So uh, we're very supportive. We're involved. We, we, we're there to help any way we can. I just got a text from my good friend Boone Logan. Proud to say Hallway Feed was a founding team sponsor of the Big Blue Cancer Blast. Great company, great people. That's uh from my friend Boone. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you. It's a Thank pleasure. You. What are we going to talk about next week? Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have to have them back. Up with it. <laughs> Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show News Radio 630 WLAP. I'm Steve Drury, Senior Pastor of the Trinity Hill United Methodist Church located at the corner of Tate's Creek and Armstrong Mill Roads. I once had someone ask me, do you believe God will give me a second chance? The question surprised me. Yes, I answered, but God's grace doesn't have anything to do with numbers. If we sincerely want forgiveness and seek His love, His mercy and grace are always there for us. God gives second chances, third, fourth, and so on. Those of us who have found forgiveness over and over again know He is more about mercy than judgment. He doesn't give up on us even when we have given up on Him. Many of you listening today find yourself starting over in lots of different ways. Be sure and allow God to give you a new beginning as well. He wants to walk with you through your new beginnings. We would love to have you start all over again with us at Trinity Hill. I hope you will come and worship with us this Sunday. When you're ordering groceries, you want the freshest, most delicious choices around. At Kroger, we get you, and we've got that. And now you can get home delivery in as fast as one hour or enjoy same-day pickup at the store. Either way, we think you're really going to like how easy it is. So order today at Kroger.com. 
Enjoy red, white, or black seedless grapes for 97 cents a pound. And boneless half ribeye is $6.99 a pound with card. Fresh food, low prices at Kroger. These days, you never know what headlines you'll be waking up to. An unbelievable development this morning. But one thing is for certain. You'll have a chance to win $1,000 every hour, every weekday. Listen right here to put a grand in your hand. Powered by Plaza Carpets, the best place for all your flooring needs. Whether it's wood, tile, stone, or carpet, they have what you're looking for. A trusted Lexington business for over 30 years. Stop by their showroom and let them show you why experience matters. Plaza Carpets, 1501 Russell Cave Road. We have reached the age where things just cost more. Cars, mm-hmm. phones, mm-hmm. life insurance. Your blood pressure is up. <laughs> Your weight is up. <laughs> You're one to talk. I have type 2 diabetes, so I'm getting dinged just like you. Thank goodness for Big Lou. Big Lou! Big Lou can get term life insurance rates for a 50-year-old male with type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure, or maybe he's on anxiety meds, mm-hmm. for just around $200 a month for a million dollars of coverage. Oh, you got to say that again. Go ahead. Okay, I'll say it. Big Lou and term provider could get a 50-year-old man, a little dinged up, a million dollars in life insurance for around $200 a month. Call Big Lou. Big Lou. He's like you. 800-444-9336. That's 800-444-9336. Don't put it off. If you're overweight, diabetic, have high blood pressure, you gotta call Big Lou. Gotta. 800-444-9336. Write it down. 800-444-9336. News, weather, traffic, and the home of the Kentucky Wildcats. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, Lexington, and iHeart Radio Station. Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney walking back statements on Ukraine and the decision to withhold military funding as leverage for Ukraine, now denying he meant that there was a quid pro quo. ABC's David Wright is at the White House with more on reaction from House leaders in the impeachment inquiry. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that Mulvaney's comments were a confession. Uh, that there was indeed a quid pro quo with respect to Ukraine. And she said uh, it's another example of the Trump administration trying to make lawlessness normal. She and the Democrats clearly see this as a smoking gun uh, that justifies their impeachment inquiry. Uh, The president and his allies uh, are not so quick to embrace that. President Trump touting a pause in the fighting in Turkey and between Kurdish rivals. But many Republicans and Democrats say the president's decision has damaged U.S. credibility and betrayed an ally, the Kurds, and opening the door for ISIS to rebuild in that region by withdrawing U.S. troops. The Kurds have five days to withdraw from the Syrian border of Turkey, or Turkey has vowed more fighting. Boeing handing over documents to the Transportation Department, highlighting messages between two Boeing employees discussing problems at the safety feature level of the MAX 730's planes during its original certification period in 2016, before the 737 was blamed in two deadly plane crashes. Boeing CEO John Hamilton, due to testify later this month, former Marine Corps pilot and ABC News contributor Steve Ganyard says those messages will be key. These messages certainly raise troubling questions about what Boeing knew and when it knew it, and did they hand over the information in a timely manner to the U.S. government. When Mr. Muhlenberg testifies in front of the Congress in a few weeks, he's certainly in 